Do you ever find yourself wishing at the end of, of a long, difficult day in which it didn't seem like, it seemed like you, you didn't, weren't able to get anything done that you planned on getting done? Man, I sure wish I had 30 hours in a week. I'm 30 hours in a day. <laughs> in a week. I mean, wish you had 30 hours in a day, you know? You, you think to yourself, what, you know, what could I do with, with six extra hours in a day? So many things that I could get done if I just had six more hours in a day. Well, let me ask you this question. How many weeks into having 30-hour days do you think you would be before you find yourself frustrated in the same way that you are about 24-hour days. <laughs> it, it wouldn't take real long, would it? It wouldn't take real long. Here's another question. When you hit that wall of frustration about those 24-hour days and your use of that time, when you hit that wall of frustration and you, you, you take a few moments to actually think and evaluate about how you have used that time and why you're so frustrated, what is it in particular that puts a knot in your stomach? I don't know about you, but, but when I do that, what really puts a big knot in my stomach is when I stop to realize how few of the things that I did in spending my time related to what was really important. What was really important. The realization that, that, I, I've, that I allowed that which you might say is urgent to crowd out what was important in life. You know, there is an amazing statement by the Lord Jesus that's found in the Gospel of John, an amazing claim that he makes <clears throat> the night before Jesus goes to the cross, before he is crucified. As, as he prays to his Father, he made this statement, John 17, in, chapter, in verse 4. Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Huh. Did you hear that? By finishing the work you gave me to do. I mean, how, could, how in the world could Jesus possibly say that? I mean, his public ministry had lasted no more than three years, and yet he's saying, I have finished the work. I mean, weren't there, who knows how many more people that, that had yet to hear him preach the good news? I mean, weren't there so many more people who, who needed healing from the devastation of disease and chronic illness in their lives? Weren't there so many more people whose lives were being controlled by demons who needed a demon cast out of them, like the story we read last week in the synagogue? More lame who needed to be healed to walk again, blind to be able to make to see. Weren't there so many more out there? How could Jesus make such a statement? How could anybody have that kind of confidence about the way they spent their life on this earth to be able to say, I have finished doing what you asked me to do, what you called me to do. My, I've completed my purpose in my years here on this earth. In our study today from the Gospel of Mark, we're going to discover Jesus' secret of time management. His secret of time management. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon 
and Andrew. Now, last week we, we read about and studied the story of what took place in the synagogue as Jesus taught and as he healed, as he uh, cast out the demon uh, and the gentleman that was demon-possessed. Uh, we saw what happened there, and, and I, I showed you, uh, I didn't have this map, but we talked about the fact that the little town, of a small town back in that day, was located on the north, uh, eastern, no, excuse me, northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee, if you could put that map there on, on the screen, northwestern Sea of Galilee, and, uh, and, and I showed you, a, a, let's look at another aerial view of the ruins of the town as, uh, of the, as they exist of Capernaum today. You can see a beautiful shot of the Sea of Galilee there. And uh, it, it, once again, that lighter structure that's there in the center of the screen are the ruins of a synagogue, a second century synagogue, as we talked about last week, that's actually built on top of the foundation of the original synagogue that was there when Jesus taught and preached. Now, uh, the dark colored build, darker colored building that's octagonal in shape, that's a modern structure, you may remember, that's built over the ruins of, of a Byzantine church that actually surrounds what are the ruins that most people believe was actually the house of Simon Peter. And <clears throat> let's look at the next thing. <coughs> this next picture is, just shows you uh, a, a close-up of, of those ruins that are underneath that octagonal structure. And let's look at this last picture. This is an old picture, obviously, uh, that was taken shortly after these ruins were discovered, before a lot of the excavation took place and the restoration of a lot of those ruins took place. You see the synagogue, obviously, that's labeled there. You see Simon, the, the, the remains of the Byzantine church, and, and again, at the center of that would have been Simon Peter's house. So I wanted to show you that so you could see that it was a, a pretty short walk from the synagogue to Simon's house. Now, the tradition in that day was after leaving the worship time in the synagogue, they would go home and enjoy a noontime Sabbath day meal together that had been prepared on the day before. And so as Jesus and the disciples entered Simon's house, we read in verse 30, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That's remarkable, is it? Uh, Peter's mother-in-law would have been a, a typical Jewish mother. I mean, she would have been absolutely distressed, distraught over the fact that she was feeling so bad that she was <clears throat> unable to be the kind of hostess that she would have loved to have been for their highly honored guest. And so... As Jesus walked over to her, I suspect that she had no inkling whatsoever what was about to happen as Jesus extended, as he reached out his hand and took her hand in his. Now, you may remember if you've studied the Gospels very much that Jesus was a pretty touchy guy. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that he never, never hesitated to touch people, to touch people. That, that was part of the, the, the purpose of the incarnation in God becoming human flesh, God putting on human flesh, becoming a, a person, becoming a man, uh, so that people could actually feel his physical touch. He never hesitated to touch people. He communicated so much about who he is and how much he loves people by his physical touch. We'll see more about that next week. 
Through his physical touch, Jesus gives healing, grace, and love. He loved Peter's mother-in-law and wanted to help her. So again, he walks over to her, takes her by the hand, and I maybe gave her a little Baptist squeeze there. <laughs> gave the hand a little Baptist squeeze. And, uh, uh, and in that same motion of giving her hand a slight little squeeze, he starts to help her up. And she is immediately astounded, immediately astonished, as all of a sudden, the fever is gone. And, and, and instead of being you know, washed out how you usually are after a fever, she feels good. In fact, she feels better than she's felt in a long, long time. And she feels so good that she starts to wait upon Jesus and the others. She serves, takes the opportunity to serve the one who has just served her. The Lord Jesus has served us in so many ways, hasn't he? So many ways that we, we tend to take so much for granted, day in and day out, don't we? Not to mention our salvation. Most scholars believe that the, the theme verse of the Gospel of Mark is found in chapter 10, verse 45. We talked about this on our very first Sunday in the, in the Gospel. For even, Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Are you serving the one who has so graciously and lovingly served you. Are you? The Lord Jesus has served us again in so many ways. Well, remember what we read after Jesus made such an impact upon that packed out synagogue, again, with his, his teaching with authority, the people had never heard before, his casting out of the demon of the man who was possessed. In verse 28, we read in chapter 1, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Well, now we are about to see the results of that. Verse 32, that evening... After sunset, in other words, after the Sabbath had ended, where they were then able to, to carry people, after the Sabbath had ended, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Not literally the whole town, but it's, there were so many, it seemed as though the whole town had gathered there. And let me ask, can you blame them? <laughs> can you blame them? I mean, if I had, had had someone, an ill, someone in my family who was sick, much less devastatingly so, if I, if I had a, a friend who was ill, I, I, I would have been lined up at the door right there gathered with the rest of them. You can't blame them for a moment. <clears throat> now, please note, there's no doubt that Jesus knew that most, if not all of them, we're just there for one thing. I mean, none of them were on some great spiritual search in their lives and, and thinking that they, they found the answer in Jesus. No, they were there for one thing and one thing only. They wanted Jesus to heal them. They were there for what they wanted. And how did Jesus respond? Did he tell Peter and Andrew, James and John, hey, listen, guys, tell, tell everybody just, just to, to leave, will you? I mean, did he tell them to block the door so they're standing there where all these people come up trying to get in and, and they, they holler out, hey, listen, you guys just going home, going home. You're not here for the right reasons. Just go home. No. Jesus felt great compassion upon them and he demonstrated his love by doing just exactly what they were so desperately hoping that he would do. Verse 34. 
And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Well, who knows how much time this took on that night. And in spite of working long and hard into the night, we read in the very next verse, in verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay, heads up. (laughs) This is where Mark's big reveal begins. I'm talking about the big reveal of Jesus' secret to time management. And those, Mark doesn't tell us how early. It just says it was very early in the morning. Obviously, it was before anyone else had awakened. I, I kind of even imagine people were probably camping out outside the door, you know, wanting to be one of the first in line when, when the door opened back up the next morning. Sort of pictured Jesus having to tiptoe, step across them as he's making his way out to, to that solitary place. Mark doesn't tell us how early it was or, or where he goes, and neither does he tell us what Jesus prayed about, only that he prayed. Look at verse 36. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. (laughs) Now, this is really characteristic fashion on the part of Simon Peter. He's really letting Jesus have it right here. It's like, like, he's like saying, come on, man. What in the world are you doing? I mean, your your following right now is absolutely incredible. What in the world are you doing out here? Whatever it is that you're doing, you need to be back with the crowds, Jesus. I mean, we need to ride the wave. This is fantastic. You don't have time to be doing this. (laughs) Now, we can't be too hard on Peter, though, can we? (laughs) I mean, we would die to have crowds like that in church, right? And do whatever it took to maintain those crowds, to keep them stoked, you know, to, to, to keep them coming. I mean, what preacher in his right mind would walk away from that? <laughs> Verse 38, we read Jesus' remarkable reply, reply because that's exactly what he did. He said, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Those crowds in Capernaum were, were clamoring for Jesus' time. They wanted his time. I mean, again, as, as Peter is, is alluding to, they could have set up a big tent and had an extended revival, complete with miracles every night. It would have just been incredible. It would have been fantastic. And he could have made so many people happy, right? I mean, all those local people who, who needed, who still needed healing would have been so incredibly glad that Jesus chose to stay. And what about Peter and Andrew? And James and John very well could have been from Capernaum as well. I mean, I mean, these guys would have been like, you know, hometown, local hometown heroes. I mean, it would have been fantastic. Now, this is, is just pure speculation on my part, purely speculation on my part, but I, I think Jesus himself was tempted to stay, was tempted to remain. 
Now remember, Jesus was, was both fully God and fully human. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted just like we are, with one big exception. He did not sin. I think Jesus was tempted. I think he was tempted to stay, but yet he didn't hesitate for a second to reply to Simon Peter, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. How? How? Did he arrive at that kind of resolve? How? <laughs> Again, Mark doesn't tell us what he prayed. But he does tell us the result of his prayer, doesn't he? It's quite clear that by seeking the heart of his Father, that Jesus' time and prayer served to spiritually recalibrate for his mission for which he had been sent to this earth. By listening to his father, the purpose of his mission had been reclarified. The result of his prayer time was a, a, a renewed laser-like focus on the reason that he had been sent. Jesus essentially came to the realization that what he had seen and heard in the press of the crowds and the exhortations from the disciples was all of that which was urgent. But what his father had clearly reminded him of during the early morning time in prayer is that which was truly important. Understand, Jesus delighted he delighted in meeting the urgent needs of, of all those people who needed to be physically healed. Gave him great joy to be able to do that. And yet, he was clearly reminded by his father that that was just a temporal healing. That the day would come in which all those same people who, who had been healed would, would ultimately die anyway. Of one thing or another. That what was of much greater importance was spiritual healing. Spiritual healing that would result from his opportunity to preach the good news of eternal life that is found in him. That, Jesus said, is why I have come. In other words, that, that is what is truly important. Verse 39, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So, what is the secret to Jesus' time management? It is giving time each and every day to prayerfully wait upon his Father, his Father, to give guidance, to give instruction, to give his strength. See, think of, of, think of a personal prayer time kind of like a halftime in a football game. <laughs> you're, you're in the middle of a hard-fought game, 
And then halftime arrives as an opportunity for the players to go and catch their breath and to listen to the coach, what the coach has to say about whatever needed adjustments should be made before they go back out to play the game. Your personal prayer time is a time to catch your spiritual breath, to recalibrate your life's purpose, just like Jesus did. It's it's a, a time to withdraw from the game of your crazy, hectic life and to listen to your coach, to listen to your coach about any needed adjustments before going back out into that crazy game of life. You know, when we don't take time to pray, what are we saying? I mean, essentially, when we don't take time to pray, what are we doing? We're saying, God, you know, I, I, I got this. God, I can handle this. I'm okay. I, I don't need your help. I, 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 can, I, I can do this. I got it all under control. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're able to do that, you're able to do something that Jesus himself could not do. Also in the Gospel of John, Jesus made this statement, chapter 5, verse 19, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now notice something else about Jesus' prayer, his prayer time. Do you think he figured out what needed to be done by spending that whole time just talking to God? No, he took time to listen, to listen. (laughs) We have to learn to listen to God more when we pray. Our tendency, and I know it's our tendency, at least if you're anything like me anyway, (laughs) my tendency when I pray is to spend the whole time talking to God, telling God what I want, telling God what I'd like to see happen, and not near enough time listening, listening to him. Now, don't ask me to explain what I'm about to say now because it's this. And that is, when you give God time, God will give time back to you. Again, I can't explain it. I just know that you'll find yourself in that 24-hour period getting a whole lot more done than what you typically would have otherwise without giving God that time. When you give God time, he will give time back to you. Again, I can't explain exactly how that happens. I just know when I look back on it, that's what has happened. You try it and see if you can explain it. (laughs) And then let me know, will you? (laughs) It's a God thing. All I know is what I know. You you know, one of the greatest examples of all this that I can give you this morning, and uh, I'm going to embarrass her by doing so, but is my wife, Julie. Uh, This past year, back before the fall began, actually back before the summer began, uh, she was recruited. As some of you know, years ago, she, she taught at Jinx High School, the music department, as an assistant. Well, they recruited her to come back and, and to take over the, the entire program, to, to be the, the, the music department director. Well, that, that means overseeing the, the study of about 350 students, overseeing two full-time assistants, two part-time assistants, other contract personnel that are brought in here and there during t- different times of the year. It is a huge program. In in addition to just regular classes during the day, there are rehearsals an hour before school starts, there are rehearsals for hours after school ends, many weekends that are involved, and winter springtime is absolutely crazy. There's an all-state 
preparation and performance and development and competition. There's uh, show choir competitions that take place on the weekends as well. Big spring musical that happens. It's going to happen this weekend, by the way. If you haven't got your tickets, please do. The Music Man. <laughs> A huge booster club, which are a tremendous help, but that takes time developing and building those relationships. It is a huge, huge job. There are times when it can be very overwhelming. But every morning, every morning at 5 a.m., her alarm clock goes off. And while I remain in deep meditation for another 45 minutes to an hour, (laughs) she gets up to have her prayer time, to have her prayer time. And it's during that time that God has been incredibly faithful to guide her through the process literally one day at a time. And in the midst of all the the urgent things that have to be done, God continuously reminds her of what is most important, which is the students. Those students are a ministry for her. That's what's most important. Friends, by prayer, God will free you from the tyranny of the urgent in your life and direct you to that which is most important. He will impress that upon your heart, upon your mind. That is Jesus' secret of time management. And it can be yours and mine as well. Let's pray.